0: This is a certified big soy naturals classic. I have a proposition I don't want for smoke. the I communists. I don't want smoke, I just want to smoke. I don't want smoke. I look like Jared Padalecki. Smoke.
1: I got them super
0: So my value right
1: now is zero. If you think about it,
0: AI is actually the fastest
1: path to communism. communism. When I smoke the blue and I smoke the purple. I'm smoking on the blunt because I want to it's run. It's all team. so adorable, but
0: you weird. can't have it.
1: Enforced farming is really not a vibe. Hello, men and women. Hello, pronouned motherfuckers. It's Big Soy Naturals, the only podcast willing to they or them's and she or hers, but never he or him's. Last week we introduced um, the wide extended universe that came out of the Green Brothers Nerd Friteria content puppy mill. But now that we've established how the Green Brothers became successful enough and popular enough to launch the platforms of many other corny individuals, we have to zoom out and discuss who they are. Because like the sideshow attractions at a carnival, they contain some of the essence of the main show while leaving much more to be desired while combining it with something unique to them that is all the more horrific.
0: So, um Hi, it's Kendall and Cerise. We're back again for part two. Um, I just want to start off with a warning of this week. We are going to be some some content warnings. Um, we are going to be talking about um, sexual assault and sexual abuse, um, not done by the Green Brothers themselves, but by their network of individuals like this is a wild and complicated story and one that I personally lived through um, seeing on, on Tumblr and and reliving through VidCon. Um, so just a warning, proceed with caution. Um, so we're going to talk about zooming out from the Green Brothers and zooming more onto VidCon and on the greater YouTube sphere In in 2014. There was a... Myriad of, you know, uh, a certain brand of YouTuber, we'll say, like, British, uh, ukulele playing, soft boys, white. white? Yes, very white. Um, and they were everywhere. Uh, just a myriad of ukulele playing white boys. Um, and they were absolutely incredibly famous um i believe there is an article um from uh this article here um sex lies in youtube the predatory side of internet fame um there were quite a few uh big rock stars within the vidcon world um and this is like a convention where all YouTubers come. Pretty much everyone knows about VidCon now. It's like the platform for YouTube stars to meet and greet their fans and announce new projects. Um,
1: Which again, um, Hank and John Green started. And these cast of like British YouTube characters are mostly all like DFTBA, um, like label people or other people that Hank and John put on in some way, yes. like these people in the early years of VidCon were like very much a close part of the Hank and John Green, like extended universe. Yes. So
0: we're talking about people like Tom Nilsom, uh Alex Day, Mike Lombardo. Um, I would say Sam Pepper was more on the outset of this, but he did go to VidCon very regularly and was a regular part of the YouTube sphere. Um, I think it's kind of, from what I remember, the timeline was, um, uh, around like the same time we had Sam Pepper committed, like, basically posted a video where he pulled pranks on women in public, um, where he pretended to have his hands in a hoodie, um, his sleeves were pulled down and he kind of, uh, had them stuffed into a hoodie while his hand was actually, um, coming out from the underside of his hoodie and groping women. Um, That became a big controversy. Eventually he said he hired some of these women as models and actors um, to pretend to be pranked. But then quite a few of the women from the video came forward and said they didn't know that was going on. Or even if they were hired, um, they weren't aware that this was going to be a part of the, um, the bit. So, um, That became a big part of it. I think Sam Pepper even kind of, you could say he even started the genre of like commentary videos, Uh, people who started just making content about like different YouTubers making silly, controversial content um, like for children. Um, So like commentary on bad YouTube videos uh, became a big genre. And I think that's in part due to Sam Pepper. And around the same time, a list on Tumblr came out of um people who had committed sexual assault this list was called the youtube abuse master post and there were about 48 youtubers on this list um and it could range from this this is very much getting back to our um our feelings about like things like your fav is problematic where it it could range from people who were like absolutely convicted for child pornography And we're 100% sexually abusing large, prominent other figures in YouTube, uh, in the YouTube space. Um, People with multiple testimonies um, to people with like 46K followers on YouTube and um, like one account. Not to say that that person um, isn't telling the truth, but more that this was a varied list of a lot of different people committing a lot of different types of... Um, manipulation, sexual abuse, and sexual assault. Um,
1: Well, even outside of the spectrum of just, like, how many allegations do these people have, also on this list would be, you know, as you mentioned, like, people that literally were convicted for possession of child pornography, people with multiple, um, like, corroborated rape allegations, and then there would be someone on there where the, like, Entire description for what they had done wrong Is like makes problematic content Yeah So a very varied list of people But I think that the thing to note is that like Among the many people on this list um, A number of them were associated with like The green extended universe Were fixtures at VidCon And they were all the ones that had like Pretty Confirmed allegations of assault, abuse, manipulation, um, you know, like getting nudes from minors, harassing minors. And those main characters were also all like people that John and Hank specifically had put on. Yes. And
0: I think something to remember with um, this master post, uh, we'll say, of... um, YouTube abusers is that this was 2014, so we're talking a couple years before the big Me Too movement in Hollywood. Um, we even have an article in here with the from Refinery 29, and it's a it's a title I hate, but it's not entirely wrong. Which was uh, YouTube's big first first big scandal was cancel culture done right. What happened? Um, so I would consider <laughs> it's awful awful title um but i would consider like what they are saying in here is that it's it was basically me too before me too and i would consider that pretty accurate um i remember the response to this was um rather swift and uh widespread um there was a ton of response from other youtubers who wanted to get involved and um make the platform better they had different discussions about how do we um how, how do we identify abuse within our own community? How to how do we um, tackle it between friends and coworkers that we know, um, and how do we uh, prevent it from happening? Um, a lot of discussions of like power imbalances and even the word parasocial thrown in there a couple times. Um, what what the responsibility is between fans and the responsibility with between YouTubers and the responsibility between parents of these fans um so I think it was like I would consider it at at the time when I was viewing it as somebody who was you know um going into college who had been sexually assaulted before I felt like this was a very progressive discussion um I see some issues with it now and we'll talk more kind of in depth about that later but i think the important thing to note is that um hank and john green got on this pretty quickly specifically because people like mike lombardo and tom milsom and alex day the three like big heads i would say they're like the top three listed in this master post um because of how many corroborating accounts they had um and uh convictions uh we'll say with like mike lombardo um they, they, Because those people were directly associated with DFTBA Records, the record label um, that Hank and John Green ran, well, mostly Hank Green, um, it required them to make a very quick response. Um, I know that now DFTBA Records does not make music anymore. They mostly are a merchandising house for other YouTubers, but they still run under the same name. Um, so they responded, um, in part, the first thing they did was, um, remove, uh, Mike Lombardo, Tom Milsom, and Alex Day from Df- DFTBA records, full stop.
1: Wait, Kendall, before we talk about what happened with these people, should we maybe, um, uh, for, for those people who are like better off than we mm-hmm. are, say who they are? Cause I don't know if everyone will know who like Mike Lombardo oh, and yeah. Alex Day are because they have now been like pretty far removed from the world of relevancy. Um, Um, Mike Lombardo was like a piano rock kind of musician. Like I don't think he was doing wizard rock. It was more, yeah, more like Ben Fold style. He had um, like a couple albums out, I believe that he was on the DFTBA record label and he was also a YouTuber that people really liked. I'm looking just at his discography right now to see if I can recognize any of these song titles. It looks like he's got a song called, Why Eminem is Awesome. He was doing covers of They Might Be Giants. Um, Yeah, he was featured on a Sarah Bareilles song. Oh, he opened for, for Brian Cabrera who probably is another person that no one knows anymore, but Ryan Cabrera was, like, uh, an early 2000s pop musician, and he was on almost every early 2000s reality TV show at the time. So Mike Lombardo, like, I don't know, he made not, like, explicit nerd music mm-hmm. in the realm of, like, wizard rock, but but music for nerds. And he actually... Um, went to Berkeley College of Music where a couple of my friends went um, so that was him Alex Day who who is Alex Day he was british he was british he was a blogger he was a blogger
0: um, he was a wizard he made
1: music awesome yes right? he was a
0: he was in the wizard rock sphere but he also was a singer songwriter he made a lot of like um other songs in fact when the allegations came out about him about him being um manipulative and uh sexually abusive um he made another song about how um he's basically um being persecuted and a martyr like jesus christ himself um specifically wow. with the lyric cast me like a stone against the rocks i'll let it shape who uh. i become
1: <laughs> which and then who was tom milson tom
0: milson was also another wizard rock or um he was also Um, a singer-songwriter this was very much within the realm of like singer-songwriter individuals like I said before white guys playing ukulele doing covers of rap songs um, but like with harmony and xylophone and in ukulele and like I don't know maybe a little tambourine thrown in there Um, like imagine like N.W.A but like Twee like those are the kind of covers that they would do. Um, a lot of people who, yeah, and
1: so they all of these people had like pretty large followings yeah. um, in the in the mid two thousands. Um, they were all like associated with the DFTBA like record label. So John and Hank would like trot them out for different like appearances at um, conventions besides VidCon. Um, they would make videos together or videos referencing each other. They would share these three guys' music on their Tumblr. So um, their stars were like definitely all attached to each other's and then attached to to John and Hanks um, as well.
0: Yeah, there there was definitely a a um, a direct attachment both business wise and emotionally between uh, a few of these guys and um, Hank and John. Um, I know specifically- So
1: what did, I guess like now that we've we've shared who they are, um, like, and, and I guess oh, the other important thing is that they, because they shared a fan base with John and Hank Green, who, as we like discussed in the previous episode, like primarily had a fan base of like Teenage girls. Mm -hmm. That was who these guys' fan base were. So what do you think happens (laughs) when you get a bunch of, like, overgrown teenagers making music and content for teenagers in an environment where teenagers get to interact with them, hang out with them? There's no barriers put on that at all. Um, What happens next? Yeah, I mean... well mike lombardo goes to prison for five years for possession of child pornography uh alex day i believe has to apologize for sexually assaulting multiple people um and tom milson also is accused of uh sexually harassing many different minors Mm um as well as like uh, sexually abusing different partners that he had.
0: And then we will, you know, the the snowball kind of rolled down the hill from there. A lot of their um, friends and colleagues, because the thing you have to remember about YouTube is that it's a very collaborative process, especially in this, like, at this time period. So um, these people did a lot of collabs with other big YouTubers. Um, so this became kind of an important Discussion um, for other YouTubers to be having, where they have to kind of come out and say, like, I didn't know, I wasn't a part of this whole. St-. Like, a lot of people when they collaborated with other vloggers, there's this sense in these videos that they are besties and they're like they all know each other really, really intimately. Um, and that isn't always the case. Uh, it's most a lot of the time it is like business. So people like Tom Ska and um, like you know, oh, uh, like, let's go Lex, like a, a bunch of, like, <laughs> a bunch of people had to come out and say, like, um, I am not associated with this. People like Charlie McDonald, who was very close friends with with um, Alex Day, had to make videos responding to this issue at hand. And it was kind of the first time that there was like a big rift within the um youtube community there were the people who were responding and who were breaking away from these sexual abusers and the people who were either saying nothing or blatantly saying that they don't care um
1: (laughs) and just like the the me too movement that happened a few years later like kendall was saying it created this like spiral effect where once a couple people like these three main guys were called out for sexual abuse or assault or harassing minors um every single other like prominent content creator that you know could have been accused of anything was and that was then where this list came from where it started with like three people with like pretty Large platforms, and it made its way down to like guys that were vaguely Tumblr famous with, you know, like 10,000 followers, and like they were having a list of accusations. Like, I think the similarities to me too was that once this happened, it seemed to everyone like. Oh it's time for me to tell my story also and then they were all collected in this Tumblr master post. master yeah. post
0: this huge master post. I do remember when this list was being actively updated um, when they had to add like glowing edit um, highlighted <laughs> pieces um, to say like this is these are the new allegations that came out here or the other people that um, we've added to this list um, and it became almost like this uh, watchdog. Um, platform in a sense um, where they just listed all of the sources that they possibly had about all these different people and included people who weren't even on the YouTube platform people like Curtis Lepore who was a Viner people who were like you said Tumblr famous like Josh Macedo confused aka confused tree
1: um, so this became Josh Macedo. Where are you? Where are you, Josh? I am looking for you. You are you. I'm going to drag you to hell. Where are you? I need everyone to, well, don't stop what you're doing. Don't stop listening to us, but like go Google Josh Macedo and take a look at what he looks like. And then you need to just like realize that that was the state of things on Tumblr at the time, where a man who looks like that was, like, the height of attractiveness. People were like, oh, Josh Masito is so sexy. And when his um, many, 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 like, sexual harassment allegations came out, people were so heartbroken, and there was so much defense of him, because... (laughs) Because he was so hot, and they they didn't want they didn't want their fave to be taken down that way. But it I like looking back, um, it's kind of funny and weird that a character like that was included, um, in in like the overall structure of like this call out that was happening at the time. Like I'm certainly very glad that Josh Macedo was um like called out and that people were aware of what he had done but what started out as like a think like a reckoning with youtube and like youtube culture just turned into this like much much larger thing that i think then became harder to like start any accountability processes Mm -hmm. for because if you're like trying to say like oh these like three content creators on youtube like did awful things like what can we do about the structure of youtube the way that we have youtubers interact with fans like what kinds of people we promote on there to prevent this from happening again i feel like you can actually like garner some positive results but if it then just turns into like every single person online who has ever done anything ever that is bad like it just becomes harder to address the the actual problem at hand um, because it all gets like included in one thing. Um, and also like people like Josh Macedo, for example, <laughs> like the things that he did was like pretty similar to what um, like Alex Day or Thomas Milson did. And so maybe it does make sense to include him in that respect, but it's just also on a completely different platform. And so I think like not having that, that nuance of like in what space are we like talking about what things it just makes it harder to address the issue overall right and i mean i think a, a big part of this that i think was like there's some parts of this that i feel like were
0: um, better than say like me too i think that um, a lot of people well, me too was, me too just, too was bad. just bad we'll yeah. we'll talk about that later <laughs> but um, we have our own it was just we bad. have our hang ups about yeah. me too um
1: and we're and correct. <laughs>
0: correct. And we're right. But I would say, like, the things that they did better, I think there was a there was a better understanding of like um how these people achieve power and where it comes from. Like um people like Toby Turner Tobuskis, who is very, very, very popular on YouTube, was also on this list. And he, you know, was an abuser, but he was also um it was identified very early on by a lot of people who um were even like pretty young people who could be like fourteen to sixteen um who identified that like this man who has committed abuse has um has toys like toy lines um with his face on them with his likeness that say things like two heroes that he is considered a hero of the uh of like the space, so there was this feeling that everybody kind of got where they were able to kind of materially dissect, um, the idea of like, um, power on a much smaller scale than say someone like Harvey Weinstein, but still somebody who could commit a lot of damage within a community. Um, simply because of the power that he is able to wield. And part of that power has to do with VidCon. Um, a lot of people would say, like, I think there were quite a few testimonies um, from people who had been to VidCon before and had said, like, you know, th- it isn't really a safe environment.
1: I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. Um, before, prior yeah, to this. Can we read? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Can we, can we read how Hank, green responded to the um the tom milson allegations because i think that that actually really like demonstrates what the problems with vidcon were and also the role that hank and john played in enabling it so one of the people that accused um tom milson was someone named olga um and that's just important because they're Named a few times in this Hank response, she was also a pretty prominent
0: YouTuber at the time. Um, I think if you were on classic YouTube, but became
1: a prominent YouTuber through her connection with these guys, Mm -hmm. which is I think important because like that is how she met them. So Hank starts the post by saying, "I met Olga in 2010 at VidCon." She was a very smart, very clever, very cool young woman. I thought it was weird, but kind of cool, that Tom had found a cool fan who could hold her own with a bunch of top-tier VidCon folks and let her behind the curtain a little bit. It never occurred to me that it would become more than that, though I knew Olga remained part of that social sphere. I had no inkling that they had become a couple, I'm horrified and extremely disappointed in myself that I was not able to realize that this was happening and put a stop to it maybe even before it started. I won't comment on the specifics of this relationship because that isn't my place, but the more the but more the fact that it existed infuriates me. Sexual relationships need to be equitable. And they can't be when people are in dramatically different stages of life or when one person enters the relationship as a fan of another. I haven't said anything about this today because I just don't know what to say. Tom was my friend. I looked up to him. I trusted him. I am furious. That's all I can feel right now. My only consolation is that I honestly believe these issues are coming to light in this community not because they are more common, but because we are more empowered to speak out and not hide up and cover them up. And that's excellent because you cannot fix a problem if you do not face a problem. So John responded to that, but I want to talk a little bit about this first mm-hmm. because there's so many problems with it. Yeah, <laughs> Like the first being that Hank didn't see it as a problem that Tom was bringing a fan to hang out with all of these VidCon people. Um, that, that should have been the first clue that something was awry. And it's something that we have like read in so many of these posts about how people got involved with these different abusive characters is that like they went to VidCon or another fan event as a fan and then approached the person whose work they were a fan of and that person brought them into their social sphere.
0: And like I'm gonna I'm gonna say like as like just a testimony to how VidCon was structured as someone who went um multiple times. Well you went? Um, yeah, oh yeah, I went like a couple times. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, before twenty fourteen.
1: Who Who'd you go for?
0: <sighs> I think I
1: went for
0: I think I went for Grace Helbig. <laughs> <gasps> wow i was i was a a youtube person i i just really liked daily grace i thought daily grace was like a really fun yeah wait
1: like were you watching like like youtube videos like did you like vloggers i
0: i watched youtube videos i remember um i had friends who were like big shane Dawson dance
1: (gasps) oh my gosh That's um, wild. Was I was never was never really like a YouTube person. Um, I kind of thought all of them were like well it's it's like John and Hank, I guess, like that they had really like colonized that sphere. And so a lot of their people were popular mm-hmm. on YouTube and and were like them. So I just thought that everyone was a little bit too like twee. <laughs> like I was never like a like a bow tie suspenders kind of person. I you know, like I miss when men were men. And <laughs> men have never been further away from being men than when they were popular on YouTube. <laughs> There's a lot of like key keyboard, ukulele, like see, bow tie, like I mustache you a question, like kind of people that were like see, popular on YouTube then.
0: I bought into the tweeness and I know this I know this dissecting it in my brain, and I have for like a quite a while. Um, I, I bought into the tweeness because it felt safe. And I think that's kind of what rocked everyone's fucking world when this like 2014 yeah. post came out is that we realized like, and, it, and I think even with Josh Masito, like that was kind of the first inkling of like, Oh, just cause a man doesn't ask
1: yeah, a man wears a bow tie does yeah. not mean that he's nice, <laughs> but exactly, yeah, I, I mean like this is, I think the other part of this post that I find interesting is that Hank is trying to say, where he says, like, I, I don't believe that these issues are more common in this community, but that they're coming out because they are more empowered to speak up. I think that that's wrong. I think that they were more common in that community. Um, and I think that there was like, something specific about that community also that enabled people to act out on like predatory and abusive tendencies unchecked
0: yeah I mean even in this in this mashable article, which I recommend everyone read because I do think it's like a good um a really great perspective actually on like how um these YouTube stars and how YouTube fans kind of saw their interactions. so um something that uh, this publicist kind of said in this article is. Um, back in the day, to be a so-called groupie, you had to really hustle with security and follow a band or celebrity to every single venue, Toosby said. Now, with stuff like Twitter, these stars have easy access to 12 and 13-year-olds. If you are the kind of guy who is a jerk and want to capitalize on getting young girls today, it's the perfect environment for that. What's more, fear of consequence doesn't prevail the digital space. These digital stars aren't contracted to us at a studio, and most of them don't have a small army of handlers who to whom they are accountable. They achieved fame for themselves, some literally overnight, and since their uncensored selves are the reason for their fame, they don't listen anyway. Many in the industry who have worked with young creators uh, tell Mashable. In some cases, agencies and PR firms have dropped clients over conduct. One person in the industry says they asked a digital influencer what was the best gift they ever received from a fan. The young teen star simply said, a blowjob um yeah (laughs) so I think that's a pretty this
1: is I think it's interesting that like you and other people would find like the twee people to be safer I think I understand totally where that's coming from but I guess to me I I see them very much as like you know that it's it's a very like nerd fantasy of Mm -hmm. like being able to um like build a platform off of your like niche dorky interests and then get lots and lots of attention from young women um and i think that like many of them were more than willing to exploit that oh absolutely um, and well, i don't think that they ever saw themselves as like safe
0: or well, like what a that... safe
1: alternative because they 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 saw themselves as like akin to rock stars oh yeah it's really funny in in hindsight, I I need to read. <laughs> well, I just I just want to point out no, John's response because it has it has a, a line in it that I know is going to make you um, vomit <laughs> on the floor. Um, so so John responds to the Hank post that I just read, and he says. I share Hank's disappointment. It's not clear in Hank's post, but he's referring to credible accusations concerning the music musician and YouTuber Tom Wilson. I don't know how to feel about this stuff except sad and angry, but I want to be public about my sadness and anger because I don't want to let this go unacknowledged. I've written and deleted thousands of words about this today, and I'm grateful to Hank for saying most of what I wanted to say. And here it is, Kendall. Here's the part that you're just going to love. He says... Consenting adults, go forth and do all the things. <laughs> so the abuse of power that we seem to regularly see in these manipulative fans slash creator relationships is reprehensible and unacceptable. We are working hard to make sure that the events we plan and endorse are as safe and secure as possible. On a professional note, we continue to have a zero tolerance policy. For abusive behavior by artists whose work is distributed by dftba which once again stands for don't forget to be awesome um so his music is no longer for sale at dftba we could say that tom Wilson, alex day mike lombardo they all forgot to be awesome um and and they increased the amount of suck in the world um but no i mean like i just hate that he can't even for two seconds turn off this like little earnest guy like twee bit where he can't just say like well i don't even know why you need to say like i some i support consenting sexual relationships between adults that should be a given but whatever he can't just say that he's got to say consenting adults Go do all the things. <laughs> you can't even Drown just say the word penis and balls.
0: You just can't even say the word sex. It's just, ugh. but do I think what I remember specifically, all you
1: want.
0: I remember specifically, and I won't say that like, I was completely like turned off the, you know, I wasn't completely turned off from the awesome sauce fucking lifestyle that these people lived um, by 2014, but I was like growing out of it specifically because I was like entering college and I didn't really need that anymore. And, you know, after, you know, I'll get a little personal after my own sexual assault, I was starting to feel pretty jaded to pretty much everything. Um, but, uh, and I, you know, I was healing through the process, um, cause it had been like two years. And so this coming up again was very triggering, but I also kind of Wanted to become a part of it because I wanted to be involved and I wanted to be, um, to help be responsible for making some changes. Um, so I did like donate to Rain and do all this stuff. But I remember specifically in this post something that bothered me at the time and bothers me more now is the way he's saying, uh, we are working hard to make sure the events we plan are in and endorse are as safe and secure as possible, which is a key phrase that I think he's saying here is we are currently updating our vid, like our VidCon rules and practice, because obviously that was a big part of what caused this to go on. Um, I remember specifically the structure of VidCon was a lot more of like a Wild West situation. I will give them this. It was the early uh, couple of years into VidCon, but it is still unacceptable that um, for a a long while um, fans were allowed to, minors were allowed to just walk around VidCon without their parents, just straight up. Um, You don't see that at things like New York Comic Con. You don't see that at larger conventions, anime conventions. Um, Minors have to have a parent or guardian, um, at least within like the space. Um, And usually creators don't leave booths and don't like, they usually stand behind a green room or if they're at a meet and greet, they um, are very controlled because they're, they're, you know, they have handlers, but like the Mashable article says, um, these people don't have handlers, especially at the time. I think now YouTube has become a much bigger space where people have publicists and agents that are like very specifically dedicated to just YouTube. Um, they have like whole crews of people, um, that work on their videos and editors. Um, but at the time, this was very much like a individualist, uh, career. It was very much just dedicated to one person does a vlog and edits edits it on their own and, um, eventually blows up enough to have an agent, a booking agent basically. Um, but no one to like handle their public image. So VidCon was just a big part of that in how people were just kind of allowed to waltz around um, unprotected by pretty much anyone. Now I would say VidCon has changed. I'll give them this, you know, I think it's, I think it was important for them to immediately uh, sever business ties with Alex and Tom and with Mike um mike went to jail so i think it's pretty obvious you're not even gonna have um business
1: ties with these he is out of jail now though yeah he's out he's out as of 2016 i believe or 2018 he's on twitter now he's making sex jokes on twitter oh Um, so cool also i do feel like it's um you know we've brought up a few times that he was like um incarcerated for possession of child pornography it's really i think important to note that the child pornography in question was like pictures of underage fans yes. that that he was collecting yes. so via snapchat um it, it was yeah, like directly through his position as a prominent like nerd musician that he was able to do this
0: yes exactly and i believe that they are attempting here in these posts, both Hank and John, to take accountability here. Um, no. But, but nope. in, in <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that they that in the PR sense that yeah. they are publicly saying we are we are no longer associated with them. And
1: oh, they, you know, just, know what they said about Mike? Oh, I what? have the post where they respond oh. to Mike Lombardo also, and it is oh, it's really funny. So once again, this is Hank because Hank. Seems to be, he does all the dirty work for the nerd, the nerd fighter community. But he says, yesterday a website reported that YouTuber and musician Mike Lombardo was under investigation for exchanging explicit images with underage fans of his music. Some of Mike's music has been released through DFTBA Records, a record company that we own, and we've been friendly with him over the three years that we've known him. And many of Mike's fans are part of the nerd fighter community. But Mike himself, on several occasions, took pains to point out that he himself was not a nerdfighter, for whatever that's worth.
0: (laughs) It's worth nothing.
1: (laughs) Obviously, we were distressed to learn about this and quickly removed Mike's page from DFTBA, partly because we don't want to make any money from this sort of publicity and partly because we don't feel it appropriate to continue our business given the situation. For the past year, Mike has released his music through other websites, but until today, we still sold some of his older work. In thinking about this terrible situation, it's important to remember that no one has been charged with the crime and that we don't... Sorry. in thinking about this terrible situation, it's important to remember that no one has been charged with a crime and that we don't and can't and shouldn't know the full story. Crimes are investigated and prosecuted by law enforcement and the judicial system, not by Tumblr. It is also very important to never blame victims of sexual abuse and assault. It is, or we've seen very little of that in the conversations about this in our community, and we're very glad of that, but it bears repeating. Sadly, some people feel as if their trust in our community has been violated. For most of us, Nerdfighteria has always been a place where it's safe to be nerdy and enthusiastic and yourself. For all of us, this has been a reminder that communities online and off can never truly be insulated from difficult and painful and reprehensible realities. The respect that creators are given by their communities is something we consider very sacred. It should never be taken advantage of or violated. Seeing that happen has been very painful for us. However, we have also been stunned by the way this community has come together to support the people affected. As we remained in silent shock last night, it was so inspiring to watch healthy discussions, messages of love, and intelligent thoughts spread across our community. That's why we could never lose faith in Nerdfighteria! Not because bad things never happen, but because people stay strong and loving and supportive and thoughtful in the face of it. Thank you for being all that you are. I like that at the end, it's still a call to, like, remain a fan of their yes, content. But this and has maybe, to be branded. Like you are not. Um, well, I don't think that they're they're all that smart, but they're not, like, bad brand managers. No. So this is never going to read, like. Mm, people being unwilling to take accountability because they know who their audience is. But I think when you read through the lines of this, you can see that there's a lot of like intentional distancing themselves from any role that they played in like giving this person a career because yeah, Mike Lombardo did not release the like last year of his music through DFTBA Records. However, he released his most prominent music through DFTBA Records. He benefited from a relationship with Hank and John Green. He benefited from access to their underage fans. None of that is what's getting acknowledged, but instead like, oh, he never called himself a nerd fighter. <laughs> He's not really one of us, even though he was on our label. And until yesterday, we had a website with um, a page with his name on it. That part is he's so he's not disgusting. really part of our community. That part is so. But disgusting. It, you know, it's written much more artfully than that yeah. because they do know how to manage their brand. Yes, and I think that's the important part um, to understand with
0: with Hank and John is that they have this brand that is very. I think it's 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 almost artfully done the way they can seem so goddamn sincere. Um, in how, uh, like, in, in how, like, heartbroken and shattered they are by this news. And, like, I'm sure they were, you know, it's, it's frustrating, it's upsetting that somebody you talked to and was, you know, you were partnered with, um, committed really, really heinous crimes, um, and sexual violence, but... Um, also you, like, like you said, when you read between the lines, you can see that here it's, it's obvious that you're, you're trying to distance yourself. And at the same time, make sure that everyone who, um, is within the right, um, who is thinking critically, quote unquote, and, um, Speaking out against sexual violence in the community, that they are branded as the true nerd fighters of the community, that they are the real nerd fighters. When in fact, the important thing about VidCon, about DFTBA records, about Nerdfighteria as a whole is that it is still a community that allowed this to happen because of the systems in place it is a systemic issue. And that is really our issue with like Me Too. <laughs> and I think this could be like, this could be directly compared. Um, think of DFTBA as a brand um, like CAA, you know? Um, I would I don't want to get like tinfoil hat about Me Too because it's not really about that. I'm but- ready. I'm
1: <laughs> ready to get tinfoil hat about Me Too. I've got things to say. But you let's go first. let's
0: I, I think okay, let's 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 speak plainly here. Um so Me Too was a movement that was very centered around just celebrity, right? It was celebrities um had been dealing with a system uh, within their careers and their community um that allowed for a lot of sexual violence to happen. And um, it all came down to a power play. Um, People like Harvey Weinstein, producers, predatory uh, actors, um, those were people who were trying to get a leg up in the industry in a lot of ways through sexual violence. Um, And that's something that um, could be directly applied to that community. And then with Me Too, um, it became such a, a national phenomena um, that suddenly the idea of Me Too as um, like a formula, we'll say, like a person, a victim A calls out predator B, and um, a national community of supporters uh, get behind one or the other. Um, that's not something that can be applied. To literally just the common average person and their sexual assault, um, I had people after uh, me to um, talk to me online and ask me why I didn't go to the news. Why would I go to the news about a? <laughs> Huh? About a sexual oh, assault that happened between uh Joe, nobody, and me. Like literally just like like I was 16. They go, they were Kendall, 15-
1: why didn't you try to send someone to prison? <laughs> Kendall, if you hate rape so much, why don't you send someone to prison? Why don't you go to the cops? Why
0: don't you um why don't you talk to the news? Why don't you make a call out post online? Um these are things that like can't be applied to literally everyone's um, trauma. These are things that um, can only be applied to certain people. And let's be honest here. Some of these victims um, had certain levels of power and wealth that I don't, you know? And I'm not saying that to to blame them for what happened. Of course, what happened to them is terrible. Um, and shouldn't have happened in the first place. But the reason they are allowed to have such a big platform to talk about it is because they are famous, and I am not. And that's just like the the be all and For all. Now. Of it. For now. For <laughs> now. And you know, when we talk about people like CIA, let's get real tinfoil hat here. Um, what have you really heard about people who um, committed sexual assault during Me Too, um, other than Harvey Weinstein? What have you heard heard from them? Last I heard from some blinds, um, Brett Ratner is still working under a different name.
1: Yeah, Brett Ratner is still working. Louis C.K. is still working. It didn't do anything, and I think like my problem with me too is that like number one, the movement itself like within Hollywood seems to have not actually had an effect on whether or not like not even like if new abusers have the like, same ability to be predatory, but even if, like, the old ones um, are still, like, able to work in the same spheres that they did before. seems to have had the same effect. I also think it was, like, fundamentally bad for sexual assault victims in the rest of the world because it created this model that now people think... um, makes sense to copy one-to-one exactly. in regular life when again, like if we look at, at the Me Too movement itself, it didn't it didn't work there. Like if we bring it back to John Green and Hank Green, I think what's what's clear is that like all of these individual people that committed sexual assault, that were sending nudes to minors, trying to get nudes from minors like they were the ones that did something wrong. John and Hank, they weren't they weren't doing that to anyone. And so in the model of me too, it doesn't make sense to hold John and Hank to the same level of accountability that it does to hold these three figures to because the only things that people know how to do is like fake cancel someone and bring them back a few years later and still give them a career doesn't make sense to like apply the same consequences to two people that didn't do anything but the the problem here with those three people was that perhaps they wouldn't have been able to do any of the things that they did if it weren't for the structure that john and hank created and so if we're like only ever approaching issues of sexual assault with this like extremely carceral mindset of like someone has to be a bad person and we need to throw them out. Um then we don't get to like look at the actual systems in place exactly. that allow sexual assault to continue happening. And so we're like seeing that again in Hollywood now where you know it doesn't matter even if we did throw out Brett Ratner, which like we should um because there's going to be like another person that comes up in his place that does the same thing and not only that you want us to believe that matt damon and brad pitt and quentin tarantino (laughs) didn't all know what harvey weinstein was up to but just because they didn't do those things themselves like they shouldn't be held accountable i think that's what happens when you only have like one method for handling sexual assault that um, it it then seems unfair to punish someone for someone else's actions, but it shouldn't be looked at as a punishment. Um, and it gets even worse when you try to extend that model into regular communities, because there's no such thing as canceling a guy you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, or like I'm I'm using guy colloquially, yeah. But like any person that commits assault, like there's no such thing as like canceling. A person in your community because if someone assaults me okay maybe I can tell all of my friends and my friends never invite that person to hang out with us again that seems like reasonable that seems fair that makes sense um I could I guess make like a public social media post about it perhaps and then maybe no one in my extended community ever brings this person around. Uh, Fine, uh, maybe, but that person can just like move to a different town. (laughs) They They can just go somewhere else where they then do the same thing to someone else. And then what am I going to do? Like follow their life on social media and message every person that they come into contact with and tell them, to avoid this person like there's there's no actual way to cancel if that is a real thing which it isn't someone in your community so then we like we need to figure out okay how do we deal with the issue of sexual assault instead that like maybe keeps the victim safe from ever having to interact with that person again cuz like you shouldn't have to if you don't want to but also makes it so that the person who like committed the harm is not able to do that again yes um in a way I that is
0: it's like, carceral that, you know right
1: I, and so i think that the me too model just completely eliminates that mm, like second process of like accountability and change mm-hmm. and makes it almost a guarantee that like Abuse and assault and predatory behavior is going to continue happening because you're only ever cutting people out once they've done something, but you don't have any methods of recourse for the communities that enable them, the systems that employ them, the people that work with them. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke. And what, what happened, Kendall, um, <laughs> to bring it back to John Green? What happened when people called John Green creepy? Because I remember. Oh, I remember. Um, here's the thing. Do you have the post? Because I've oh, got the post. Oh,
0: I've got the post. I've got the okay. post. Um, <laughs> uh, this So a, an, a teenage writer on Tumblr, uh, somebody who was just a poster. A nobody. A nobody. Like, literally somebody no one. Literally no one wrote this post, which I still think is a very fucking funny post. <laughs> like, I don't, I think it's, I, I think the post that I have is cribbed, unfortunately, in this okay. uh, well, e News Online I, article.
1: I've got it, I think. So <laughs> I, can, I can read it. Um, and it's also in a Huffington Post article that mm-hmm. Kendall can link for us called John Green, YA authors and rape culture. So this person says, I bet John Green thinks people like him, or people don't like him because he's a dork or a nerd or whatever, when in reality it's because he's a creep who panders to teenage girls, who thinks he can amass some weird cult-like following. And it's always girls who feel misunderstood, you know, and he goes out of their way to make them feel important and desirable, which is fucking weird. And he has a social media presence that is equivalent to that dad in your friend group who always volunteers to supervise the pool parties. And scoots his lawn chair close to all the girls. So, you know what? (laughs) Like They're they're treading a little bit close to accusing him of something, but they don't actually accuse him of anything. Also, this person is literally no one. Yeah. Like a a nobody poster. Um, And they don't accuse him of sexual assault. Like, they're they're getting kind of close to it, but they they don't actually. And I think that, like... There's a lot of truth to what this person was saying about how they did intentionally cultivate this fan base of teenage girls, which is what led people like Alex Dyer, Mike Lombardo, to have this audience of people to prey on, yeah. and that is something that they like need to, to address and need to be held accountable for. Yeah. But what what did John Green <laughs> what um, did John Green so say in response? In, so in his
0: response. He said, and I have the full response here. Fantastic. Um, and th- granted, this is something that also bristled a lot of different, um, this-, this really rustled the jimmies of a lot of different YA oh, authors. <laughs>
1: so many YA authors mad because they were Boy. looking into the mirror and they were like, hey, wait, is this me? Is this me? I have a market of TV <laughs> Is this me? So he
0: said, you want me to defend myself against the implication that I sexually abuse children? Okay, I Literally do not. no one
1: said that. When did that happen?
0: <laughs> okay, I do not sexually abuse children. Um, she said you had a vibe. <laughs> she didn't say you did. Um, throwing that kind of accusation around is sick and libelous. And more, most importantly, damages the discourse around actual sexual abuse of children. When you use accusations of pedophilia as a way of insulting people whose work you don't like, you trivialize abuse. I'm tired of seeing the language of social justice, important language doing important work, misused as a way to dehumanize others and treat them hatefully. So we all seek and seek to share the jolt that accompanies outrage and anger. As studies have shown, the complicated dopamine rush that comes with righteous indignation is very powerful, and I'm indulging it simply by responding to the outrageous accusation that my work is somehow evidence of sexual abuse. But the outrage cycle is exhausting. And while we are, while there are wonderful examples of outrage fueling long-term productive responses to injustice, example, we need diverse books and uplift, and we're going to talk about uplift later, put a pin in that, Uh, both come to mind too often the internet moves from jolt to jolt from hatred to hatred and even more (laughs) and ever more convinced of our righteous and the world her righteousness and the world's evil and getting caught up in that is very painful i realize that this that this will seem privileged to many of you and it is
1: shut up
0: and it is shut up or like an excuse Maybe it's that too, or lacking in empathy. Maybe so, and I'm sure there is plenty here to deconstruct and reveal my various shortcomings, which are legion. But this, this stops being productive. This stops being a productive place for me to be in conversations if I'm not allowed to be wrong, and my if my apologies are not acknowledged along my misdeeds, and if I'm not treated like a person. I think at this point it's impossible to continue to use Tumblr the way I've used since 2011. My life is different in ways that are both good and bad. This community is different in ways that are both good and bad. The world is different in ways that are both Shut good and bad. Up. His use of parentheses is legendary. Anyway. Yeah. Is this what his books are like? Ugh. <laughs> uh, I. <sighs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't really remember. Um, so, if this blog begins to look more one way with more original content and less reblogging, commenting, answering asks, etc., that's why. This was, in fact, his breaking point. I do remember after this point, um, he mostly yeah, just it, was, did PR. it was after
1: this that he he kind of left Tumblr. Yeah. But what I find interesting, especially about all of these like um, young adult authors that were responding to him, so. I'm gonna be um, gonna be honest with you guys. I'm gonna be open. I'm gonna share something that's a little bit personal. Um, I don't read young adult books, and I never have because um, I'm a snob, and <laughs> I like to read things that are good. And I've always thought that I was above reading stuff like books by John Green. What about so Twilight? So these Twilight's for adults. <laughs> Twilight is serious literature for adults. Um, (laughs) Twilight is a Mormon instructional guy. But I don't know, just like I don't know these um, authors' names, but I am uh, operating under the understanding that they are like prominent people. So Rainbow Rowell, who I think writes like um, interracial, like. Uh, <laughs> like no it's it's like like aspirational in interracial like romance novels um that's like definitely about the author herself's like fetishizing interest in asian men so you know she defended him and was like john green's great i like him and respect him he helps the planet maggie's stepfather who also writes young adult novels has like I'll be clear, just because you were creeped out doesn't make someone creepy. Um, Chuck Wendig.
0: <laughs> who has uh, been blocked on Twitter. <laughs> we,
1: we hate we hate him. Um, you know, he issues a defense of, of John Green. Sarah Dessen, who, like, did her own dog pile this past year of, like, a young adult fan. Uh,
0: Maureen Johnson. Um and, like Cassandra, like, Cassandra Clare, who um, is well-known in the YA community as being just, like, awful. Um, uh, Holly Black, who wrote the Spiderwick series. Like, a lot of people commented on this. Oh,
1: I read those. Yeah. But I read those as a child.
0: Yeah. Are also, those for young adults? No, those are, like, those are books for budding goth girls.
1: Um, okay, yeah, fun. that's for me. But I think what's what's so funny is, like, that, that he was – much more interested in like protecting his like name and his reputation over an accusation that wasn't made. Yes. that he issued this like extreme dogpile of a random teenage girl, which by the way, when, and happened and in twenty fifteen. Also. The lesson also here is that like if you call out John Green, he will summon all of his powerful friends, just like Barack Obama got all the Democrats to drop out (laughs) in 2020 (laughs) so that Joe Biden could win. He will summon all of his powerful friends and get them to tell you that you're wrong. And what does that tell anyone else who maybe does have a legitimate accusation to make of like Maybe not the Green Brothers, but, like, someone in their sphere that you have to be careful. Yeah. And that, like, if you do, like, they will send their people after you. Because, yeah, they did write these responses about Mike and about Tom after a number of credible uh, allegations came out. But initially, like when Alex Day, for example, was called out and this person messaged Tank and said, like, are you going to address the allegations? The fact that you haven't is making me uncomfortable. Um Hank says, I don't mean to make you uncomfortable, but I have to ask you and everyone to understand that I can't be a judge of who is and who isn't a good person. It would be so nice if that person existed, if there really was someone who knew all the details of every situation and could hang a sign around every person's neck saying good person or bad person. But the world is not that way. I am proud and honored that people look to me for guidance, and I take that very seriously. But because I take it so seriously and so many people look to me, I have a responsibility to act carefully and productively. I assure you that is what I'm doing. Which, by the way, like, it's so fucking condescending and smarmy. Like, this person is saying, can you address these specific allegations against this specific person who by the way is is also
0: under your connected to you
1: yeah like is on your payroll and he says like i can't be a judge of everyone who is and isn't a bad person which is such a fucking straw man i hate him (laughs) um but that's like you know that's how they were responding to stuff initially yeah and then once the allegations piled up then they were like, "Okay, like I guess we have to say that child pornography is bad." And of so, course, it made
0: him feel guilty and bad. And what does Hank do when he feels guilty and bad? He, he makes another nonprofit. Um, he makes it well.
1: Actually, that is literally what happened next. That yes. is the final, the final so stage see, of this. So you'll see, you'll notice
0: that in Hank's in John, you'll notice that in in John's response, he says that there are organizations doing good work, such as. Mm-hmm. Uplift and Uplift is the organization that Hank kind of started as a task force, uh, we'll say after um, this all happened.
1: So, So um, (laughs) well, and the way that they announced this is of course in another vlog. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, you need, you need a vlog to kick off your nonprofit. So (laughs) Hank has a, has a vlog called uh, sexual abuse. actually i don't remember the title of it whatever it's called like sexual um consent and assault and harm or something and i'm not going to read the full thing it's a lot of like nothing but there's a part in it that's like interesting to me where again he's just like really obscuring stuff where he says like sex is complicated in every way imaginable that's not aided by the fact that we've got a general societal taboo against discussing it like What was happening was not sex. (laughs) No. Um, What was happening was like abuse and assault. There is a societal taboo against um, having relationships with minors, uh, one that I think we should continue. (laughs) But I just think that like um, the conflation of sexual abuse and sexual assault with Sex is is actually something that abusers do. Yes, and so it's not great that someone that has like a similar framework um is then starting a fucking nonprofit in response to his own employees <laughs> having many credible like sexual assault um allegations. But he like, you know, just discusses that there are different um instances where the uh, messed up relationship that our culture has with sex creates relationships that are predator and prey relationships, which again I think is just like very disingenuous and misleading. Like, yeah, we we're all like raised in this culture, but like many of us can manage to have healthy sexual relationships. Um, but it does end with him like declaring the start to this nonprofit that I guess is, is it still ongoing? Does this nonprofit still exist? This this nonprofit still exists. Um, Their website is still up.
0: Um, Their last video, because they do have a YouTube channel, I believe was like maybe a month ago. Um, Or there's a, their last like panel was obviously in, in um, 2019. Um, but that's because of COVID obviously. So I'll, I'll give them that. Um, yeah, their last video was about seven months ago. So they haven't done much right now. Um, I think partially that's, that's due to COVID, but they are like a, a they're still a, an ongoing nonprofit. Um, their basic, uh, pledge. Oh, some, some tabs of their website don't work like their about page. So maybe they're not as ongoing as it seems, <laughs> um, but uh, in, in the MTV news article about Uplift uh, when it first was founded, um, Uplift is, is, their full title is Uplift Online Communities Against Sexual Violence. Um, the, the article describes them as a, um, it started as a task force to respond to a surge of disclosures and assess the community's needs. In a matter of days, the women behind Uplift Uh, Sahita Raja, Katie Twyman, and Grace Miller had sent over a proposal to John and Hank Green of the Vlogbrothers, two leaders in the the online video community, and started connecting uh, with other influential YouTubers. Soon after, they developed an idea for a series of videos and a community-wide pledge that would foster a dialogue between... um, Creators, fans, and everyone in between. They also did um, at at conventions, they did like um, parent uh, seminars and parent workshops um, so that parents could get a sense of um, what their kids are doing on social media and kind of monitor them without it's seeming embarrassing or uh, like the kid is losing their autonomy, which I don't think is a terrible thing to do uh, for parents. Cause quite a few parents in this article say like, Oh, I didn't know that that was happening. I think it's very interesting to look at some of the pictures <laughs> that came out of this. Uh, Cause like, who's in this picture? Um, three women, one of them being Lacey Green and Hank, square in the middle. We're coming for
1: you next. (laughs) Lacey Green, your days are fucking numbered. Hank,
0: square in the middle of this photo. Um, We have a few blinds actually from TikTok of people who used to work for VidCon and thought it was interesting that Hank always put himself on the uh, women in diversity panels.
1: Um, Well, Hank is kind of like a woman. Yeah. He's got got anxiety. (laughs) Die
0: anyway. Um, the Safer Community Pledge. And also, he's,
1: a, he's an introvert.
0: <laughs> Please let Gender me read.
1: Suspe- suspect you,
0: Kendall. Okay. <laughs> Please let me read this Safer Community Pledge. We are journalists. Um, we are not journalists,
1: anyway. No, journalists
0: suck. <laughs> um, so, U Coalition presents the Safer Community Pledge. Big movements start with individuals. When many people make small changes in their personal lives, we create a place that is safer and better for anyone. Safer community pledge is a simple step people can take to start taking a stand against community violence and harassment. Um, People basically signed a big wall taking this pledge. So it was like a lot of construction paper. And then the pledge was like in the middle. Um, The pledge states... Um, You can take this pledge by sharing this post on your favorite social media site by sharing your commenting. You're committing the following. I pledge that I will always prioritize consent. I understand consent is the uh, presence of an enthusiastic yes, rather than the absence of a no. And that consent cannot be given, (laughs) cannot be given when someone is asleep or physically or mentally incapacitated.
1: Uh, I pledge. Oh my god!
0: I pledge that I will respect my partner's wishes and I will not pressure or coerce them into doing anything that makes them uncomfortable.
1: I pledge. How is to... this any different from the tech ghouls who give out like uh, fucking like contracts to their their hookups, being like, "I promise not to accuse you later um, of of assault." Like this. Is so. Oh my god! It's so hollow. We yeah. should put this on our website. We should take the consent pledge. We're, and we're taking it on Big Star pledge. Universe. Um, and, and they're 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 so they basically did that, and then they
0: they have some um, they have some like convention panels where like at VidCon they would talk about sexual assault about rape culture, um. They manned a table at VidCon um, regularly up until COVID. Um, yeah, th- there's a on each attendee's badge. There was clearly written code of conduct, conduct that let everyone know what kind of behavior was expected of them, and listed a number for a hotline that could you that you could use to report anything that made them feel uncomfortable. So they did that. They have um, educational videos on their uh, website, which um, have a criminally low amount of views. The most viewed video is episode two, what is sexual assault? And it has 20K views. Probably I'm guessing because it was promoted by a couple of different uh, bigger YouTubers. The rest have about maybe 1K, 2K, 5K at most. Um, I love the idea
1: of a guy getting accused like, a year later of sexual assault and being like, no, no, no. I took the consent pledge. <laughs> no, don't worry. Like, wasn't me.
0: Um, and I, what's, what's failed to being mentioned in this article is that VidCon didn't just like, they didn't just happen this year. And that uplift only came around in 2015. So up until this point, there was no um, code of conduct, clearly written code of conduct for everyone to see. Um, this was a new phenomena that they did not have parent workshops or a space for parents to uh, converse and sit in and talk or have like workshops that um, told parents about internet safety um, that this, this con had been going on for several years um and that this is this is was a very new development, and that their new development was just basic um logistics basically uh just a code of conduct and um kicking people out when they are yeah, which rude.
1: i think feels less like interested in tackling the issue of sexual abuse and assault and more about covering their own asses yeah which is the other thing that I think that we got from the larger me too movement is just like people figured out some ways to uh avoid accountability rather than like seek it so
0: yeah I mean I don't want to like I don't want to shit on the people who work for uplift directly um specifically like the people who, like, made some of these videos, I don't want to, like, shit on them. I think that, like, some of yeah, these videos are good. Yeah, I think that the, the
1: idea behind it is a, an idea that is, like, well-meaning. Yes. I think that the Green Brothers' involvement, whether they know it or not, is, like, a very cynical ploy to cover themselves from, like, what happened uh, the year prior.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like they're, I, And I do think it's just very interesting that Hank refuses to ever be in the background. Um, Like there's quite a few of these videos that are um, just like people speaking out about their sexual assault, having personal uh, feelings about it. But then there's just like, there's quite a few panels where just Hank's just there. Um, And it's just like, it's, it's odd to me that he just kind of has to always be involved and be the face. And I understand like from a business perspective that like, it makes sense that the most popular person should be involved um, publicly so that um, you can gain some views Um, and like gain some eyeballs onto this issue. But it's just interesting that um, multiple people who are not just us, have pointed out in the past and currently that it's weird that Hank always needs to be on these, like, women and diversity panels and always needs to, like, be making nonprofits and be involved, um, when, in fact, he could just be um, giving to these uh, um, nonprofits and uplifting them rather than getting directly involved and being on the board. And it's interesting that John thinks that the the number one organization to point out when he says like, why are you concerning yourself with me? Why am I considered creepy? You should go look at like real organizations that are doing real work, such as uplift. It's just like, it's always ties back to their branding, you know, and whether they know that or not, it's a real and legitimate criticism of their uh, entire empire you know, that like they yeah. are constantly involved and not doing any direct work with yeah, all their involvement. and I feel
1: like what we can learn from this is that like this like chapter of internet history isn't exactly over because like John and Hank are still pretty prominent in the YouTube sphere. But I think that we're going to like see this cycle unfortunately repeat itself again on TikTok with a lot of the like mm-hmm. more prominent content houses because the actual underlying problem of predatory behavior, running unchecked, relationships with fans, um, and also just like a complete lack of like accountability processes is like running rampant
0: again. I mean, to bring it back to Me Too, I have my issues with Rose McGowan, but there's a reason that she was um, pushed out, bullied and silenced when she brought up that CAA Is extremely accountable for um, the sexual assault and sexual violence that was rampant in Hollywood. And I think that that's pretty clear when it comes to um, people like this Tumblr user that said that John Green gave her a vibe, that he was kind of weird and creepy. And suddenly she was bullied into um, just being this nobody was bullied off the internet simply for
1: saying that. care about victims of sexual assault like being listened to or whatever it is that people say when you care about accountability when you think that these things are wrong um and you don't have to also like navigate this like weird like carceral system that we've developed for how we handle sexual abuse and assault like when someone says that you give them a bad vibe or, like, you seem creepy, the, like, correct response would be, what is it that I do that makes you feel that way? So that you can then maybe, like, mitigate your own behavior. But when you're, like, only thinking about your own career interests and also the only thing that, like, exists as a consequence when someone does harm is, like, this, like, fake cancellation cycle then the response is always just going to be like, lash out, avoid accountability, um, and like probably try to discredit the accuser. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke. It's, Me Too was a fucking mistake. (laughs) This was Big Soy Naturals um follow us on patreon follow us on twitter we are
0: finally on apple podcasts so please leave us a good review
1: Podcasts. you better listen to us there you better leave us a five star fucking review or else i will find you and i will call you sexist on twitter
0: we will call you sexist on twitter you are a misogynist if you don't leave us a five star review so that the apple algorithm knows that we are um beautiful and hot. You're
1: misogynist, you are biphobic, you are ableist, you're racist against biracials, (laughs) and also people with blue eyes. Yeah. You know, we had to reschedule recording because Kendall has blue eyes. Yeah,
0: we did. I got a migraine. So
1: like, think about that. Think about the the pressure that you're putting poor Kendall under.
0: (laughs) And you know, like there's there's quite a bit of white woman colorism that I've been facing from from our fans. So, for being blonde, for being, but you have you've got the power. I know it. It you know I just feel like I'm being canceled.
1: <laughs> so like re- reverse right yeah. white woman colorism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Uh, good night. Good, good, night. Luck. good luck. We'll see you later. Goodbye. This is Big Sway Naturals. Fuck Hank Green. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> I hit the blunt, it's a pick and cut. Enforced farming is really not a vibe.